episode 40 of Section 138, a weekly Blue Jay podcast. I'm Mark Colley, the founder and owner of 360 Blue Jay News on Instagram and host of Section 138. As always, I'm joined by Bryson from Everything Blue Jays. How are you doing, Bryson? I'm good. How are you? Baseball is back. Yeah, I'm happy about that. And as I said last podcast, really happy about spring training being over. And uh, even if the Blue Jays are losing, at least baseball is back. But today we're also joined by Jacob from Blue Jays Nation. Uh, you know him from podcasts that we've done before, um, but he's coming back now that the Blue Jays season is picking up again. How are you, Jacob? Hey, I am glad to be back. It's been a little while, but uh, baseball's back and so am I. Yeah, we're definitely glad to have you back and have a hopefully different opinions on this podcast. So today, with so much to cover, you know, there's opening day, we're recording this on Friday the 29th, which is a day after opening day, um, we're going to talk about Strochez, Stroman, and Aaron Sanchez, they seem to have buried the hatchet, they seem to be friends again, um, they started following each other on Instagram again, and then Stroman posted a picture on Twitter and Instagram of them together, so we'll talk about all that and all that that entails, but we'll also talk about the offense, especially after last night's game where the Blue Jays couldn't score anything to save their life. Um, The Blue Jays only got on base three times and uh, Jordan Zimmerman, the pitcher for the Tigers, had a perfect game going into the seventh inning. So we'll discuss that and then uh, lastly we'll talk about the Kendrys Morales trade because that's the big move in the last week, although there's been a few other additions along with uh, talks about other trades. So I I guess since it's most immediately in our mind. We can talk about yesterday's game. Um, As I said, Jordan Zimmerman had a perfect game heading into the seventh inning. Blue Jays only got three guys on base. They had uh, two hits and one walk, I believe, uh, or maybe one walk and two hits. But no matter what, it was a a pretty paltry effort from the Blue Jays. They couldn't score a run. Um, But for what it's worth, Marcus Stroman did pitch his weight. He kept a no-hitter going into the sixth inning and uh, the Blue Jays as a whole kept the uh, the Tigers off the board until the 10th inning when they uh, eventually scored the two winning runs to make it 2-0 for the Tigers for the final score. So I, I guess what I want to ask you guys is, do you think these troubles with hitting will persist, or do you think this is just kind of a one-time thing, the Blue Jays met their match for one game, and eventually they will be uh, producing more? Well, uh, throughout the year, they're definitely... In my opinion, they're, de- they're definitely going to produce a little more, um, but I don't think they're going to produce as much as everyone's going to want. You know, you have to remember uh, this Jays team. If you really if, really, if you look at the lineup compared to obviously other competitive teams, the lineups it's it's not very good. If you compare the other two teams, but you, you fans also have to uh, understand and realize and accept that this is all they're pretty much going to get, other than possibly or for sure Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when he's healthy and possibly other prospects like Bo Bichette. But other than those two, those these are the guys that you'll be seeing um, pretty much majority of the year. People like Drury leading off and Grichik's going to be sharing duties with them in the leadoff spot. But they're definitely going to have some hot spots throughout the year like um, any baseball team. They're going to have some cold spots. I definitely think they'll produce a little more than they did yesterday. I was there personally. Um, some of the, you know, the game went by really quick. I'll say that. But yeah, it was... Again, it wasn't very cool, fun to watch uh, the hitting side making Jordan Zimmerman look like a Cy Young candidate. But um, I'm sure, again, throughout the year it'll change. And it, it usually takes, or maybe, hopefully, you know, it'll take maybe a few weeks for them to get going. Some some teams take a little bit to get going offensively, just the way baseball works. Some people go right off the bat. But they'll definitely be producing more throughout the year. Like, it's pretty much a guarantee. You can't put donuts up every night. But I don't expect them to produce too much. 
And I'm not, again, the thing that helps me with this part, because I'm kind of expecting this, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of them. Um, you know, we saw that yesterday. We finally saw an infield hit after the Jays were being, or Zimmerman was throwing a perfect game through pretty much majority of his start. So um, if you can get a few hits a game and avoid that crisis, that would also be, definitely be a good thing. But they will, they'll definitely produce a little more, but Again, I'm not expecting a whole lot throughout the rest of the season, but um, again, they they will have some hot spots throughout the year for sure. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think last night was a little bit of a one-off just because of uh, how well Jordan Zimmerman and the rest of the Tigers pitching staff uh, handled the Blue Jays. Um, I don't. I like also like how you said this. They won't be as good as everyone thinks. I think that's very true. I don't think that. The Blue Jays, you, you know, they, they have the potential to be a very good offensive team, although realistically, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. I think, you know, when you have such a young team with a lot of unproven players, or for the most part, unproven players, uh, it's going to take a little while before they really find their find their stride and they're hitting consistently. Um, you, you know, so I, th- I think... Overall, it'll be a, a a bit of a tougher season to watch offensively, just considering what we've kind of been accustomed to watching 2015, 16, even the last two years, they, they were okay. But I think this year, when you have so many younger players, you know, it's it, it's a rebuild, you know, and when you rebuild, nothing's, or not everything is as good as you expect it to be. And I think that's just kind of what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, they'll have their great uh are their offensive highs and lows and last night was a low uh i don't know if it will necessarily continue for the throughout the next 10 games that the blue jays play uh but i think overall it'll be it'll be interesting to see i think we'll definitely see some great games but for the most part uh it's going to be a bit of a tougher season to watch Certainly, and I think it helps that the expectation for the Blue Jays this season is not much. It helps that, you know, they aren't expected to produce, of course, as, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast. It's great if they do, but seeing uh, them not put up those numbers is not a fatal end. And I, I think it's good to point out, you know, even the worst teams in baseball are still relatively close to a 500 record. You know, you look at some of the worst teams, you got a, uh, I don't know, a 60-win a uh, team, and you're still getting 60 wins out of 162 games. So it's not um, so drastic and so horrible that it's so painful to watch every night. There will still be good games. There will be more bad games than good games, but there will still be more good games. Um, I also think that the Blue Jays won't be facing this good of a pitcher every night. It's really, um, you know, no one expected Jordan Zimmerman to do it. You know, if you look at the projections, the Blue Jays were projected to win last night's game just because of the way the pitcher stacked up and how Stroman was actually in the past a better pitcher than Zimmerman has been, and he was expected to do better. So I, I think a lot of it is luck, and I'm not really concerned about how the Blue Jays will be doing this season. I, I think, if anything... Hitting is going to be a strong point on this team because the pitching, as we've seen, maybe the rotation will surprise us, but I think the bullpen, um, nobody has any expectations for that. Yeah, exactly. You made a, um, it was a good point about how they won't be uh, facing, um, you know, that good of 
you know, that good quality of pitching every night as well. You know, aside from, you know, a few, pretty much majority of the Yankees and Red Sox rotation, you know, names like Chris Sale, uh, Severino. And, but, you know, they're also going to be facing, you know, the Baltimore Orioles a lot who, you know, if Jays fans think what they're going through is bad and uh, Baltimore is pretty much about a thousand times worse. Um, you know, they, I'm trying to remember yesterday they gave up, um, it was Kashner on the Orioles. He gave up a three run home run in the first inning. So essentially, um, their pitching rotation right now isn't very strong either. So, you know, if the Jays are going to face the Orioles multiple times a year or two, exactly, the quality of pitching they're going to face will not be uh, as good. And even, you know, even some names or some uh, pitchers on the race. But yeah, as far as that goes, um, you know, we've, we even saw it a few times last year when you, um, uh, James Paxson, when he was on the Mariners at that point last year, you know, he, he no hit the Jays, uh, which was a pretty cool moment for him. But, um, you know, we've seen. Uh, pretty good quality starts against the Jays, um, you know, a lot. And even we saw it in game one yesterday, and it just seemed, it just, it felt a little bit of a letdown for me just because I was there. I, you know, I was, everyone just pretty much talking about it in our seats about how, you know, like really what would have happened or how bad or, or you know, how embarrassing would it have been if you're, you're being no hit in, or sorry, you're being, or Zimmerman swing a perfect game in game one. So I think that was just the problem with that. I didn't, I, you know, I started to think about the possibility. I just, I'm so glad that didn't happen. But again, the Jays will be facing much worse pitching even throughout the ALE. So I, it's not a big deal. You know, you can th- look back at it now and just move on from it. And, you know, the Jays still have three more games to play uh, from this point where we're recording on the Friday against a, t- uh, a Detroit Tigers team who is also probably going to be worse than the Jays. So, um, I'm not too worried at this point uh, in terms of my expectations, but they will. They should again. They should have put. They should put up more runs throughout the year. But um, yeah, exactly. I think it's also interesting that uh, 538, which is a really good projection website, they have really good actual analytic data to support their projections. They have the Blue Jays at an 8% chance of making the postseason, which um, I, I, I think it was uh, fan graphs put the Blue Jays at a 3.5% chance of making the postseason. So, you know, it's not impossible. This team could be surprising. You know, we're in a better position than the Baltimore Orioles, that's for sure, because, you know, at least we have a farm system that actually produces good players, and at least we have some sort of chance of making the postseason this year, which is representative of the skill that we have both on the team and the skill we have coming up. And and the Orioles are sitting at a 0% chance of making the postseason, both on 538 and on Fangraph. So, I'm just happy not to be an Orioles fan, um, and happy not to be a Rays fan either, because at least we aren't moving to a different city probably in the next few years, although uh, they they do have a good analytic approach to everything. So I'm a little bit jealous of that, but we kind of got that with Charlie Montoya, which is another thing I want to ask about yesterday's game, was Charlie Montoya's decision to take Ken Giles out of the game. It's gotten a lot of criticism um, online, myself included. I criticized the move uh, in, in my writing about the game yesterday because he, Ken Giles, was in in the normal closer position. You know, top of the ninth against the Detroit Tigers. He struck out the side. He didn't really have much trouble of anything. I think he got behind in a few counts, but then he obviously got ahead again and struck everyone out. But then he took Ken Giles out for the tenth inning and put in Daniel Hudson, who, as we know, the Blue Jays only just signed a handful of days ago and is yet to make any appearances either in spring training or in exhibition games or in uh, regular season games. Of course, he only had one chance to do that. Um, But really, he had 
no time to get ready for the season. And then uh, Charlie Montoyo put him in in the 10th inning instead of, in my opinion, what he should have done was keeping Ken Giles in and putting him in for the 10th inning, letting him get one or two outs and then putting in another guy. Uh, that's just my opinion. I, I want to hear quickly from you guys what you think about that. Yeah, in terms of the game yesterday, um, when Ken Giles came in, it was it was again it was the ninth inning. Everyone was I you know even we we remember from last year's splits how Ken Giles was amazing in safe situations, and when it came to um, when it came to uh, non safe situations, um, he he just seemed to be a different pitcher. And, and again for Daniel Hudson, yeah, like you said, he pretty much barely pitched this spring. He only he actually started a game for the Angels this year, and. He pitched six and two thirds, and he gave up three earned runs in that. So again, not not a lot of time to get ready, and even his lone start this season was um, not exactly impressive from the stat line. And the thing that I agree, I can agree with it, and I disagree with it. And the only reason why I could agree with it is just because um, you know Ken Ken Giles did throw an amazing inning, and uh, you know maybe you know maybe Montoyo didn't want to take the risk of potentially you know. What if Giles runs into a, another, you know, a, um, a trouble in the tenth inning, and possibly him throwing more and more pitches? I guess he doesn't, you know. I guess the argument you can make is he don't, he doesn't want to burn him out in game one of the season. And then the 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 other argument you could make on the other side is where I don't, I disagree with it is, um, you know, I I you know leaving Ken Giles into the game definitely increases the chances of winning the game. The Jays were right in it, obviously until the tenth inning, but the. It, when you look at the current bullpen, which is pretty much right, it's it, right now it's not a very good bullpen, and you have names like Tapera and Axford, who's already, who are, were pretty big pieces for a little uh, a chunk of the season last year. Tapera pretty much for majority of the year, who are on the the injured list. You know the only pitchers they had available. We saw Biagini pitch a good inning. Um, Gavilio's there, and they even had Javi Guerra who made the team, so he could have been an option. Luci- Elvis Luciano, thank God they didn't throw him in that situation. Uh, a 19-year-old Rule 5 pick in uh, 0-0 game in extra innings, I would not have wanted that him to start a season like that. They had Tim Meza, Thomas Pannone, and those are the other names. So the, the bullpen they have right now is not a very good bullpen. So I guess there's nobody else to go to other than uh, a veteran and Daniel Hudson. But if it, com- if it comes down to those names where you can't put anybody else in the game due to the, you know, due to the current state of the bullpen, then why not leave Giles out for another inning? And then you can look at the other side saying, you know, you don't want him to pretty much burn himself out in game one, but he he I'm trying to remember, he didn't throw a lot too many pitches in his his um his only inning of work yesterday. So I guess it's just for Charlie Charlie Montoyo too, he doesn't have a lot to work with right now with the bullpen, but it's also a learning process for him. Um I'm sure, you know, throughout the year he, the when the bullpen gets healthier, I'm sure his decision making will be um it'll definitely improve with his experience and he already, you know, managed the team during the spring. Uh, so I'm not over, I mean, I'm a little, I guess you can criticize it a little bit, but you can understand why he did it. And at the same time, you know, there's nobody, if you're going to go to another player, there's really nobody else to go. So, you know, you, if you're going to leave him in for another inning, you might as well. And if you want to go, if you want to win the game, like again, the Jays were in this, right? It was tied until the 10th inning. So you can see it from both sides, but, um, you know, players like Daniel Hudson too, he probably won't last until the summer, in my opinion, with the bullpen, just because uh, once you get healthier, you know, you know that maybe um, he'll be the odd man out, especially when players like Bud Norris eventually join the bullpen as well. So uh, it definitely was a little curious, but at the same time, he has really nobody else to use in the situation. Uh, to be completely honest, I don't disagree with 
uh, the decision to take Ken Giles out only because, and you just touched on it, the fact that it's game one out of 162 and he's a closer and the last thing you want to do is burn out one of your better relievers in the first game of the season. Um, I get that the Blue Jays were in the game, you know, there was no score, they still easily could have won it, and, you know, obviously it's, you know, the the major leagues, you want to put your best players on the field, however, I, I don't think uh, over, I don't want to say overusing, because again, it's only, he only pitched one inning, but you don't want to risk uh, using a guy too much in the first game of the season when you already are kind of expecting to use him a lot in similar situations, you know, save situations or tie games late in the game uh, throughout the rest of the season. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, burn someone out that's good. And then I don't want to say get stuck, but, you know, not necessarily have as many other good options to go to. Um, you, you know, obviously, like I said, you want to win, but I, I just don't think that this was as bad of a decision as people think it was uh, just because, you know, he's a closer and we've all, all seen what Ken Giles can and can't do in non-safe situations. And, you know, who knows what could have happened, say he gone out to the 10th inning, you know, it's a position that he's not necessarily used to. He's already, he's predominantly a closer. And when he isn't closing, he is horrendous. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, have, those trends continue in game one, you know, uh, mess up his confidence, mess up the game even. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I don't think necessarily it was a, a bad decision. Obviously, like I said, you want to win, but also you, you, you do have to preserve your players to a certain degree, especially considering the Blue Jays start the season with 11 straight games. And the last thing you want is to overuse a guy in game one. You still have 10 games to go or 10 days really before you have another break. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I kind of do agree with the move a little bit. I, I do understand it from that perspective of wanting to preserve your players. And I, and obviously we, that's really not a motive that you can criticize because it's, it's helping the players. It's helping the team. Uh, but again, I, I think, you know, pushing a guy, having him get four or five outs instead of three outs, he's going to throw what an extra 10 or 15 pitches. You know, I, I think, People talk a lot about, in in this day and age, players being coddled. I don't think they're coddled. I think relievers are used well. But I think in this particular instance, you know, before, um, at the start of the inning, when I heard Daniel Hudson was being put in, I was like, oh, no. Uh, why would you not keep Ken Giles in? I didn't expect the Blue Jays to lose the game there, but I thought, you know, you could have made a better decision here, Charlie Montoyo. So it's always easier in retrospect, though, to make these judgments. Uh, but moving on, since we only have a set amount of time here, uh, we'll – talk about Stroches. Now, I, I mentioned it briefly at the beginning, and I'll recap now. Um, basically, long ago, these two players got in a fight. I think it was, I don't remember all the details. Um, there was a lot of speculation about it. They stopped following each other. Um, and then now they are following each other again on Instagram and, and Twitter, presumably. And uh, Stroman posted a picture a handful of days ago of him and Sanchez uh, at spring training, I guess, talking. And uh, it seems like they've buried the hatchet. The The friendship is uh, perfect again. But I guess I, I just want to ask you guys, can you, uh, I guess, Bryson, can you recap what happened a few years ago be, for those of us who don't remember? Yeah, well, 
the the thing about Strochez and um, exactly these two go back to their minor league days. Uh, that you know the workout videos that everyone saw on Instagram together, and that pretty much was the beginning of you know what's going on and the the unfollowing, and then you know Sanchez comes out the next spring. We're friends, but we're not as close. In other words, they hate each other's guts. If you really if you really um, see see what he's actually saying, and there's you know we we really don't know too much about what happened. You know, um, there's many theories on what happened. You know, I've seen a, I've heard a theory about something to do with the HDMH clothing line Stroman. Um, was pr- promoting and something with Sanchez, a disagreement there. But the thing, the theory that I believe the majority is, um, you know, a lot of people believe this kind of, this friendship kind of went down after Sanchez um, signed with Scott Boris to be his agent. And pretty much, uh, you know, people think Stroman was very upset with the move from Sanchez, thinking that he was only playing for money. He wasn't really, you know, he, he didn't love, love baseball. He was only doing this for money. And you know you know the way Marcus Stroman is with this personality, so you can understand he seems like one of those guys too. If you you know if you rub him with you rub him the wrong way, or sorry you rub, yeah exactly. Uh, if you go the wrong way with him like that, uh, he seems you know this could become you know this could be a, a huge grudge between the two. So um, that's the you know there's again there's many theories we don't know too much about what happened, but that's definitely you know the, pretty much the only theories we've heard. Over the past couple of years, and pretty much uh, last season, or the past two seasons, actually, they've both kind kind of had injury trouble, so it hasn't really been much of a discussion other than Sanchez's blisters and Stroman's hot spots and his uh, the shoulder inflammation from last year, and so on and so on. So it's definitely good to, for them, you know, to see that they're buried the hatchet, and you know, possibly too, one of them, both of them, one or both, could not last a se- you know may not last a season with the team. So you know, I guess before. If one of them move on, it's I guess it's good to have uh, buried the hatch a little bit. Definitely will never be the same like it used to. They'll probably still have that at the back of their minds. You know, maybe provide maybe being a little awkward with each other of what happened. But um, it seems to be Strowman's been you know tweeting and um, tagging Aaron Sanchez in pictures. And the only thing that I and I guess San, Sanchez hasn't really been responding to on in social media, which I find a little weird. You know, maybe this, if this is kind of a one sided thing or. Or Sanchez just decided, you know, not to, and rather, I guess, you know, talk about it personally with him because we all know Strowman's love of um, pretty much exploring his feelings on social media. So it's definitely cool to see Strochez back. You know, they had a lot of hype when they were both called up uh, a few years a uh, years ago, more of like a duo to build around. But it kind of seems a little different at this point, as you know, there's tons of speculation, especially with Strowman, if the Jays will eventually trade him, but. You know, you, you don't want grudges. I guess nobody even really wants to have grudges in life. Unfortunately, they're going to happen. And I guess it was up to those two to fix it. You know, they're on the same team. They're spending pretty much majority of this, a whole calendar year with each other. So, you know, the more and more they try and, I guess, you know, ignore each other, I guess it, it definitely becomes a little awkward, especially for the other people in the clubhouse because, you know, other people definitely don't even know the full details. They just, they understand the main the main idea, which which fans know and what we know, so um, again, this is a great thing to have him back, and we'll see. You know, uh, when Sanchez starts on uh, Saturday, if Stroman's the, you know waiting for him like he always does with the rest of the pitchers at the dugout step after uh, his his starts finished.
What do you, you think about all this, Jacob? Because, um, like, should we even really be talking about this? Is this something important? And, I mean, uh, I use this term loosely, but we are, in some ways, part of the, quote-unquote, the media um, that's driving this stuff. And some people think that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this type of thing because it's not really important. It's a personal life. It doesn't really matter on the field. Um, do you agree with that, or, or do you think it's something that's fair game for us to talk about? Yeah, it was interesting that you kind of referred to us as the media, and I think in a lot of ways that's true because we kind of uh, look into the things uh, about the Blue Jays and baseball in general and kind of shed light on a lot of things and and broadcast it to an audience of you know people on Instagram, uh, people that listen to the podcast on the various sites and etc. And I think one thing that these people enjoy is drama i think it kind of creates a bit of a buzz uh around with everybody you know it gives people uh, and i'm talking about kind of the media something to talk about as well as it gives the listeners the audience everyone something to listen to and while i don't necessarily think this is uh i don't want to say as big of a deal because some people you know to stroman and sanchez it's probably a big deal but uh, to kind of an outsider uh, as myself, I don't necessarily care too much about it because I'm so focused on, you know, d- the actual games and things that are going on. And, you know, I guess I've just kind of separated myself from all the types of drama. Um, but I think it- it's definitely interesting now that we've kind of talked about it a little bit. And I guess it kind of shows the cons, I guess you will, of becoming famous and having a following such as both Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman do, uh, you know, everything in your life kind of gets blown up uh, to a certain degree. And I think this is one of them, you know, kind of celebrity drama, if you will, and people are kind of buying into it. Uh, so, I mean, as much as I don't necessarily care to look into it too, too much, I think we kind of have to because the general public uh, and, you know, Blue Jays fans, maybe even fans of other teams just kind of want to horn in and see what's going on. You know, they hear any type of argument is going on between two people and then they kind of just gravitate towards it. So I think it's it's definitely it's not something that like I think needs to be brought up over and over again. You know, maybe uh, Stroman's posting on whatever social media he posted on. That was kind of the the bow, uh, uh, like wrapping the bow on it. And then we're kind of just ending it here but i don't think which is good but i don't think it necessarily needs to be something that is brought up for weeks on end because i think it just it's it it had its time you know there was a bit of beef going on between the two of them and i you know people bought into it but i think now it's it's kind of over which uh i'm happy about I, i don't necessarily think it's like i said as big of an issue that people are uh, making it out to be, but I also think it it definitely did deserve a little bit of attention from from us. Yeah, um, you know, before uh, this kind of, you know, we were all kind of um, caught by the attention of you know them becoming, I guess, bearing the hatchet. Uh, to be fair, you know, I can't speak for all you guys and you know the rest of the fans out there, but uh, prior to this season and you know the past couple of years, I haven't, you know, when it came to those two, I didn't really, I kind of like for, kind of forgot about their tension. Like I knew at the back of my mind, those two, you know, they're not really close anyways, but 
um, I was more, you know, I guess their injuries too have kind of distracted us from that as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I guess, you know, f- the, for the fans that really don't care, I guess, you know, all they really do care about is the result and how they pitch um, professionally. And again, for, for me personally, uh, the past two years, I really haven't paid attention at all. I haven't really cared about it. It just seems like it was kind of like a dead topic. And again, maybe the injuries helped with that or uh, distracted us from that. But um, I just haven't really paid too much thought into it until recently. So, you know, for the, you know, I guess, you know, to your point, Mark, about the people wondering if we should even be talking about this, I guess, you know, I kind of agree with it a little bit. But, you know, if they're, if they're going to bury the hatchet and, you know, announce their friends again, I guess we kind of have no choice but to talk about it just because of Stroman taking it to social media. So. I think that's the other thing there. You know, if they did this behind closed doors, you know, we, who know, who would have known other than the rest of the team, maybe something gets leaked out. But exa- if Stroman doesn't tweet about this, we probably won't be talking about it because nobody would really know. So I don't know if Sanchez wanted to do it like that or if they, he preferred closed doors. But again, good to see them um, be friends again. But it's pretty much more importantly for the fans, it's hopefully they can uh, pitch even better. So Yeah, it seems like something that uh, Stroman has said before, you know, when this thing first came out, um, he a- expressed annoyment with the way people were obsessing over them, basically. Um, but now, as you mentioned, he put something on social media. I think it's a little different now that their friendship seems to be repaired. It's a little different to talk about it as compared to talking about it when their friendship seems to be falling apart. I think I think that's a lot more sensitive of a topic than this is now um but besides that i i think we uh, more or less have the chance to cover it um especially since when it happened stroman posted a thing on twitter that said like be careful who you have surrounding you and who you let in on your wave or something like that he he kind of shared something about that on Twitter. And and in response, uh, Aaron Sanchez on Instagram, there was a a post by Major League Baseball about Stroman. And uh, I think Tim Anderson of the White Sox commented hashtag fake on it. And then Aaron Sanchez liked that comment. So it's not like this thing is happening totally in private. And yes, maybe we shouldn't be reading as much into it as we are, as we are right now. But uh, I, I think the fact that some of these things that are happening in public um, give the indication that we have the chance to be talking about it and it's not something that we can totally just shy away from and and totally ignore especially since you know it could impact the performance on the field Um, but lastly uh, we only have a handful of minutes left to record so we're going to rush through this uh, talk on the Kendrick Morales trade he was traded to the Oakland Athletics for a minor leaguer and cash considerations in the form of international bonus signing money so uh, quickly just um, one or two minutes Bryson give your your thoughts on this deal if you have any really uh, uh, trend setting thoughts at all all right I'll make this quick so pretty much um, the reason this happened and the reason why Jays fans should like this trade is because all the roster options this opens up. You know, um, the, the current trend of D- permanent DHs around the league has kind of um, faded since David Ortiz retired a few years ago. So, um, you know, the use of more are pretty much rotating through the DH spot I, I personally enjoy. And, you know, we've, we've already seen it so far. You know, Rowdy Teles started the year as the DH and uh, tonight on Friday's game, 
uh, Randall Gritchick's the DH. So primarily, it's probably more focused on you know giving Teoscar Hernandez more um, more reps at DH as well, so, which is definitely something that would definitely make the team better. You know, as we all know, his struggles in the field from last season. And, you know, maybe even if Dalton Pompey gets healthy soon, maybe he eventually joins the team and plays some outfield. So, again, the the roster options this opens up is tremendous. And sure, Kendrys Morales will be missed around the clubhouse. You know, he was, uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. pretty much called him a father figure to him. And other players we've seen have uh, been tweeting or posting on Instagram about it. So definitely a big loss in the clubhouse. But as far as Kendrys Morales, you know, he's kind of, um, you know, I guess since his days in Kansas City, even... Um, we saw like the, during the, their playoff runs, he was a um, a pretty good. He did pretty good for them. So he was brought in as a replacement for Edwin Encarnacion initially. Uh, didn't play the best over the past few years. Very limited towards him playing. You know, he, he can't couldn't do really much with him. Uh, do much with him other than him playing first base the odd time. So apparently he's going to play more first base in Oakland. You wish him the best, but uh, this opens up a lot of options for the Jays roster. Right, it, it opens up the options. It really um, helps the Blue Jays keep their roster free. I guess uh, my thoughts on it, at least, um, I think the Blue Jays gave up too much for it. I think they, the fact that they gave up uh, $10 million of his remaining $12 million on the deal um, – I think the fact that the Athletics are only paying $2 million of the contract is a little disappointing, especially because, um, you know, the Blue Jays are already paying an absurd amount of money for Troy Tulowitzki to play for the, the, the New York Yankees. So I'm sad that they're paying that much, and I think Ross Atkins probably could have got a better deal, especially since Kendrick Morales, he hasn't been a total dead weight. He has been hitting at, at least semi-productively, uh, maybe a little bit below Major League mediocre, um, but it's not like he's below the Mendoza line or something, so it, it's definitely, um, I, I think the Blue Jays could have got more for him or at least given up less for him. Uh, Jacob, do you have any thoughts on the uh, Kendrick Morales deal? Yeah, I, I think it was necessary. Uh, obviously, it's sad to see a guy like Kendrys Morales go. You know, a lot of people liked him as a leader in the clubhouse, but I think it had to happen because uh, Mark Shapiro said before the game yesterday, which was the season opener, having a guy that can only DH, uh, regardless of how good of a leader they are in the clubhouse or regardless of how good of a hitter they are, you know, it's it's going to have its cons. You know, you can't uh, take, you know, with a team like the Blue Jays, with a lot of question marks that they still need to full, uh, find answers to, such as, you know, who's going to be the everyday players for the future. You know, you can't not have your DH position available uh, ever. You know, Kendrys, you know, he's either going to sit on the bench or DH, and the Blue Jays don't want to pay him to the what was 11 million dollars just to sit on the bench so I, and i think that did make sense and also it allows for younger players one name we can bring up is rowdy telez to, to come up to the big leagues and continue what they were what he did last year uh, like we've kind of seen the last couple of years the blue jays have transitioned from the past to the future and i think Keeping Kendrys Morales, who was signed at a very different time when the team was expected to contend, where now the team is expected to prepare for the future, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it, it was time for him to go. We now uh, 
have more options, especially with the DH position. Now, the fourth outfielder, whoever isn't playing, will get a lot of at-bats. Uh, I think I think it was Mark Shapiro mentioning that yesterday, that they'll use their fourth outfielder as a DH at times. Uh, they can use various other players there, which will allow them to, like I said, have some of their extra players. I don't want to say extra, but like players that aren't on the starting nine each night kind of prove why they should be by uh, showing that they can hit and then allowing them to take over defensively and then, you know, make the kind of beat out other players for their positions. And I think overall, you know, it was... It was a necessary move, but I, I don't think that, you know, Kendry's no disrespect to him, but I don't think he's needed on the team anymore uh, just because of the position they're in and where where they are moving forward and what they need to do to get there. You know, they, they just they don't need somebody who takes over one position uh, pretty much at all times. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, when you look at the alternative of this, which could be, uh, as we've seen with Troy Tulewitzki, it could be releasing Morales. So, you know, getting something for him in return um, certainly helps, although I think the Blue Jays could have negotiated a better deal. That ends our conversation for today. Thank you to everyone who listened. As always, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found. iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find it. And if it's not where you listen to podcasts, please let us know. You can DM any of us on Instagram. I'm Mark Colley from 360 Blue Jay News on Instagram. And as always, we were joined by Bryson from Everything Blue Jays and uh, special guest Jacob from Blue Jay Nation. So thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.